0: Hello and welcome to the 2022 season of Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast and the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild.
1: I'm Ben and I'm joined by my friend and co-host Drew. Thanks, Ben. Each episode, we will sample craft beers, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight.
0: We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information.
1: And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com.
0: On this week's episode, Drew and I are sampling a homegrown, home-brewed beer straight out of Drew's Garage and previewing Nebraska's matchup against Illinois. I'm Ben.
1: And I'm Drew. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons.
0: So Drew, I feel like coming off of this bye week, I have more stuff to talk about after the bye than I do after like a normal Husker game. And we've got to start it with the pie, the bye week tradition, not the pie week. <laughs> <laughs> pie week sounds pretty good though That'd too. Be all right, yeah. yeah. The bye week tradition of Husker fans getting married on bye weeks. Yes. And we we would be horrible friends and horrible uh, podcasters if we did not share our congratulations to a good good friend of this show. Uh, Reed Trenhale with Big Hair Brewhouse and his new wife, Haley, who got married like they should have good Husker fans over yes. the bye week. So yeah. congratulations, congratulations to you guys. I know that uh, Reed brewed his own beer for his wedding. Yes. Um, Reed Trenhale brewed the Tren Ale, <laughs> uh, which I sent him a text this morning saying congratulations. He goes, you know, thanks, brother, uh, as only uh, Reed can. And he said, mm-hmm. I got the first pour of my beer and the last pour. It was a pretty good pretty good day and i said is there anything else that made it a good day or was it (laughs) (laughs) he goes yeah yeah, yeah." but it was a good day stuff yeah so congratulations to anyone who's listening who did get married on the bye week you're you're good people um anyone who gets married on a husker game day uh yeah especially especially during the game (laughs) um and and then making your husker fan friends be a part of the wedding It's just i mean i I I can't even i don't i don't 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 know if i could look like that i don't want
1: to People who would get married. It was Arkansas State, right
0: during your wedding.
1: It was it was uh, South Alabama. South Alabama. Okay. We thought for sure it was going to be eleven o'clock. Big Ten networks <laughs> were like, cool and they got it, <laughs> they got it in the prime time, man. I, it just, yeah, it but baffled you know what?
0: me. You guys pivoted well. You gave out uh, free Jello shots. Yeah, we did shots with every touchdown. Touchdowns, yeah. Um, and you know what? It was nice because it was an open bar during a Husker game. Yeah. And there was cell reception, so people were able to watch the game on their phone while people were giving best man speeches. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, then, man. you know, once the game was a runaway, everyone had a great time. There was no more stress.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So, sorry to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I had a great uh, time. Yeah. It just it, it had to be that way. I hate to say it, but it had to be that we scheduled the wedding on that day. It was just this the way that our schedule worked out. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, when, and I... <laughs> I still I don't know, I don't regret it. I don't care, um, but you hear about it all every season. I have to deal with this yeah. now for the rest of my life, and I think that to me, is the worst part of it. you know what
0: though i would I would so much rather it be in this age of technology where we can watch the games and be mobile and and be kept up to date. I can only imagine how difficult it was, even like. 15 10 years ago where it's like someone's got to sneak in an am radio someone's (laughs) got to find the the tv in the bar in the lobby and, and watch the game and then no one cares about the wedding at least this way like you made it a part of the day instead yeah, of, yeah. you know, uh, just pretending it didn't exist.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. And we were fully aware and like incorporated it and, and weren't, you know, if somebody was watching it and not participating, fine. Like that's, I totally get that. <laughs> that is so okay.
0: I think everyone was participating. You had a lot of people on the dance floor. People were incredibly engaged throughout the entire ceremony and, and, and throughout the entire reception. I thought it was great. Yeah. So. Well, thanks. Thanks anyways, for your forgiveness. Again, it's not <laughs> forgiveness. I said it was a good time. <laughs> So, again, congratulations to anyone who got married over that bye week and especially to our good friends, Reed and Haley, who we got to know. Uh, Haley, we got to meet at the Lagerfest Fest and hang out next to their booth and, and drink beer and, and celebrate with them a little bit early. So, yeah, um, really happy for him. Reed's been a great friend to us on this show. And, and so, again,
1: yeah, we wish them the best. Absolutely.
0: Sure. So, again, a lot of stuff going on in this bye week. And I don't know if you get a better bye week than Iowa, Texas, and Colorado all losing. Yes. Is there is there anything that just no, brings more joy than, <laughs>
1: especially that trifecta? It's so good. And the way that Iowa lost was was beautiful. I think Texas was up for a really long yeah. time and the Oklahoma State came back. So Texas is like, Texas is back outside of the top 25. <laughs> um, Yeah, it's so good. And then Colorado is just a fucking trash. Like, they're just, they're a shit show yeah. right now. And so... Yeah, it's just, it's a good, it's good.
0: For for those unaware, Colorado lost to Oregon uh, State. S- State, by yeah, I, I think a score note. of 45 State. to nine, I think was the Oof. final score, or yeah. something along those lines. And, you know, they fired their coach th- in, in season as well. Yeah. Um, and it just goes to show you what kind of a job Mickey Joseph is really doing around here, that our team has responded in fold. And you're seeing a uh, almost a trend, and, and I know it happens every year where coaches get let go, but at these big banner schools, they tend not to, I don't know, sink a season by letting the head coach go. In the middle of the season, you're just seeing a lot of it this year. Yeah. And you're seeing this the wide breadth of how teams can respond. And I feel like Nebraska's taken a really great pendulum swing in the right direction. Uh, even more so with yesterday's announcement of Malachi Coleman committing to Nebraska. Right. Which was a huge get. And everywhere that you look, he's citing Mickey Joseph as the reason he comes to Nebraska. Yeah.
1: Going so far as to say before Mickey, he wasn't gonna come here.
0: Yeah. Which is which is a very buttoned up way of <laughs> of skirting like, around wow. some bigger issues.
1: Uh huh.
0: I I got a question for you. A, B, or C, and I'm going to have you choose. What do you think is most likely? Is is the reason that Malachi Coleman's coming to Nebraska a, a condition of saying A, Mickey Joseph is going to be the next head coach, and it's just not announced yet. Is it B that Mickey and Malachi and the Husker staff know that they have their head coach and that Mickey will be retained going into the next season? Or do you think it's C, and that's that Mickey has this pitch for Nebraska football saying, it's bigger than me, it's bigger than you, but come be a part of something, whether I'm here or not. You're going to be a part of something where people remember you, and you get to hang your hat on that.
1: I think it's C, and I'm going to add a D. Of course. (laughs) I'm going to insert the D right here. Um. I so well. First of all, I I don't think that Mickey or anyone is gonna. I don't think it's settled who the next yeah, coach is. Sure. I don't. I don't. And if it is, Trev Alberts is the one who knows, and that's about it. Yeah, they're not going to share that information with a recruit, no matter who they are. Yeah. Um, I I think that there's. I think Mickey is a great relationship builder. I think that um, he's very. I think he's probably very honest with these recruits. I think he's open about you know, all the possibilities moving into next year. Um, but I think that I think Malachi Coleman probably sees Mickey as a as a great coach who could stay, who he would love to play for if it works out. And D, if it doesn't work out, we're in the day and age where you can transfer and go play somewhere else immediately. Sure. Um, you know, no harm, no foul. So I think that I think having that option as a player, I think it's great for for Coleman in this situation because he can essentially have his cake and eat it, too. Mm -hmm. He has an opportunity to commit to his hometown uh, or his home by home state school. It is. I mean, he's Lincoln. He's. Yeah. OK. Stay in play for for Mickey, potentially stay and play for Nebraska, um, but also still has that that out if he so chooses yeah. um, to exercise,
0: which I think is important to say. That's the way it should be. Right. Yeah. This should be something that favors the student athlete more so than anyone else. And I think it's great that, like you said, he's he's having his cake. He's eating it, too. If if this is the coaching staff or if this is the guy who's going to be there to guide him through, especially if he winds up wanting to be a wide receiver, We're, we've seen Mickey Joseph's success coaching wide receivers. But if Malachi decides to be a linebacker, a cornerback, a defensive end, which are all positions he can play and be effective in, or if he decides to be a six-foot-five wide receiver who can just torch people down the field, which, oh my God, please. (laughs) Mickey Joseph is definitely a guy to get you there. But I, I do lean more towards C as well, that I think Mickey truly believes in Nebraska is bigger than one person, and he's continued to preach that over and over. And I think that as a recruit, you can say, okay, if Mickey's aligned with that, if Trev is aligned with that, the next coach who comes in is going to be aligned with that, then yes, I can play for this place. That the, the errors of the past where maybe we're, we're elevating an individual over this legacy-driven program uh, is over, and so now it's about come and play and be a part of Nebraska. And so I, I, I am also leaning towards C on that front for similar reasons, uh, but also if, if Trev has his coach landed – and the fact that like all these rumors are swirling and nothing feels like it's pinned down, man, he has got a tight ship. And the people yeah. who work for Trev must really believe in the message that Trev brings to the table. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, just just good news all around on this on this bye week. You know, agreed. We didn't lose a game. <laughs> a lot of other people did.
1: We're yeah, we're we're um, celebrating weddings. We're now looking at playing for first place again which is uh, not west based on how how games broke between what purdue and wisconsin so yeah yeah what a wild wild week and
0: to top it all off we get to sit here talk about nebraska football and enjoy an excellent beer that you are bringing to the table that you yourself have brewed for us that you through blood sweat and tears (laughs) picked the hops that are in this beer drew why don't you tell us the the story of this beer because it's not just we went to a brewery this is something where you.
1: You just worked so hard. You're building it up to way more than it is. Well, other people uh, like can drink more, it. That's nice. Um no, I I decided to brew a beer <laughs> and I brewed it. Um no, but it's a so it's this is a this is a porter. I wanted to try a new recipe because I had um, some hops that a neighbor of mine grew in in his backyard. Um he he invited me over to pick. He's you know, take as much as you can take and and uh, it's all yours and so um we did that. I uh, I got some Brewer's Gold um, and then some Centennial, and so I decided to use the Brewer's Gold first. Um, and so, yeah, Porter works really well with those hops. And I, they don't, you know, this isn't a beer where the hops are going to shine, but I just wanted to see if they could do their job, and I feel like they did. Um, so, yeah, but I, I don't know. It's This is, when it comes to creating my own beer, like um, sometimes I'll surprise myself and impress myself. Sometimes I'll be like, meh, you know, it's it's a beer. <laughs> and this one, this honestly, this is one of those, it's like, yeah, it's a beer. Yeah. Um,
0: Well, let's, so I want to, I want to dive into that um, because this is, this isn't just like a, you decided to brew a beer and you've got like a kettle on your stove or something like that. Like you legitimately brew your own beer uh, through a setup that you have in your garage. That's an electric kettle Mm -hmm. and a full, you know, like fridge that cools everything down and, and stuff like that. So when you say that this comes off as a beer that, you know, you're kind of, not not super impressed with what are some of the critiques that you would give this beer and how would you maybe adjust that moving forward on this recipe
1: yeah so well the, the my biggest problem with this beer is it just doesn't have a lot of mouthfeel so this is there's um golden naked oats in there and so that's going to add like a creaminess and a little bit bigger of a body usually um i don't feel like that really comes through i've done some porters that i really like um and and i decided to steer away and create a whole new recipe um and vary it up away from that just to see what else i could do Um, And so a lot of it is me comparing it to um, a recipe that I know that I really like. And so um, this one, I would, I mean, I would change the temperature like that. I um, did the mash at to try to get some, like to drive the temperature up a little higher to get some of those longer um, or different types of sugars off of the grains that are going to be, they're going to stick around. They're not going to be fermented uh, I would change the yeast in this one. I I, I go with Imperial Darkness for my dark beers because I love that yeast. Um, but it really, I think that one is really designed for bigger stouts, right? Because it's got a higher attenuation. It's, it's supposed to handle like up to 12% alcohol content. This porter here has a very low ABV. It's somewhere around like 5%. And so I think like I, I think it just overdid it. I think it ate up all those sugars and took away a lot of that mouthfeel too. So um that's the thing I love about brewing though is like you, you never know what you're gonna get sometimes you're gonna hit it out of the park sometimes you're gonna get whatever you ultimately get beer which is great um I get it, an experience to share it uh, unfortunately I feel like I could have done better for the one that we're trying and recording <laughs> you know I wish it would have been like oh this is incredible um but it's it's fun because now you, you know you can go it's like cool I can I can play with this recipe if I want I can scrap it try again go back to the drawing board um I, like I said I got centennial hops now so I'll probably move on to like a just a pale ale and see what I can do with centennial hops which will be more focused on the hops this time um so yeah so it's just I don't know it's fun but I have a, I have a nice little keg of beer you know sitting at home you know that I, that I get a drink Okay, no. so
0: you've shit on your beer. I want to yeah. elevate this again, <laughs> okay. because I really like this beer. I think that there's a really nice, roasty, malty backbone to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about the uh, the yeast was maybe a little too active on the sugars, and so you didn't get to pull out as long of those sugars. Yeah, it's not as sweet of a beer, and it doesn't have that body, but I think that when you get into a porter territory, um, this to me tends and tips the scale a little bit more towards like a black lager, as opposed to a porter, where you get the roastiness, but it's still light. Uh, so I don't... I don't hate this beer. I don't think this is a, a, a poor attempt at a beer. I think this is a beer that would get people to start to see what flavor profiles are available in a porter without having to make that full tilt lean on that direction. So I think this is a really nice example of what a porter could lean into, but it really does bring that roastiness, and I think that the, the homegrown hops is a really neat addition, and it makes it even more fun to drink, knowing that like these ingredients came from uh, the ground that was a block away from where the beer was made. Like That's right. a fun an exciting adventure just to know where that beer progressed so I think you did a great job and I think you're being hard on yourself but I know that from the creative point of view yeah that's that's part of the fun is is the the uh, the self-critic right where it's like okay how do I continue to evolve this because it's never good enough
1: yeah you always want it to be better always and so um that's a big driving force but yeah like I mean like you said it's not it's I'm not, I'm probably too hard on myself for it. And it's, it's fine. It is fine. Yeah. It's yeah. fine beer. <laughs> I think it is a fine beer. I enjoy it. I think Good. it's
0: delicious. And I'm really happy that you were able to share it with us. And I'm looking forward to that pale ale because we've talked about this. We think there needs to be more pale ales on the market. There yeah, just more- pale ales or
1: bitters. Just, yeah. yeah, just standard, not like hot bombs or hazies yeah. or whatever. just,
0: you know, I'll, I'll tease this then for an upcoming episode that we're going to do. So we've got a, a listener's name's Bill and he brews a lot of home, beer but he also works with a lot of local breweries out of lincoln and he this past week did a brew with code oh nice yeah and they made an esb
1: heck yes yes yes
0: so bill's been talking to me about this beer and we have code on our list coming up of beers that we want to try on the show and they were going to be in a i think two weeks i'm going to delay them a little bit longer because mm-hmm. this beer is going to be ready in about three weeks So we're going to try Bill, who's been an avid listener and a great supporter of our show. We're going to try his beer that he brewed with code on the show. And it's like you're saying, it's a nice English bitters, an ESB, a nice, you know, just a beer. Yes. Heck yeah. Something where you can walk into a pub and say, you know, pour me a pint. Yeah. And it's going to be the kind of beer that you get delivered. And then we get to try something else from, nice. from code as I'm well. I'm excited.
1: Yeah. I'm excited about that. Bill does a lot. He does a lot. Um, Like on Twitter, posting all his beers that he brews, all the food that he pairs with it. And yeah. It always looks so good. So yeah, I'm very excited. And
0: we've been trying to get his beer on the show as well. Cause he does a lot of great home brews and stuff, but you got a really popular home brew <laughs> setup where he gives this beer out and people are like clamoring for Bill's beer. So yeah. uh, we're excited to, to have that on the show. And when he said, yeah, we're brewing at ESB with code, I was like, well, we're, yeah, that's that's coming on because Drew Excellent. and I are both fans of those pale ales, of those bitters, of those that's like our I feel like our avenue. Yes. So. Well, what a what a great transition then. When we're talking about locally brewed beer, beer brewed in your in our homes and beer brewed around the state to focus in on Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild and what October is. There's still some time left in October, which is the Drink Local month. Yes. It's the absolute campaign of just focusing on drinking beer local to the state of Nebraska. This is this is maybe the, the most important week for Nebraska beer, and that's because this is a, a campaign that goes across on all these different media platforms. You hear it on radio, social media, TV, all that sort of stuff. Just of the, the guild doing their work to elevate and celebrate these small businesses, these small business owners who are brewing beer and, and doing so to raise money for local charities. They're doing it to better their own communities. They're doing it for all these excellent reasons, and the end product is we just get to drink great beer.
1: Yeah, it's very cool. It's a cool thing to support. I um, I saw an article in the Omaha World Herald um, that the that the guild did, uh, and again, so they picked October. There's 31 days, you know, yeah. they picked a long month. So, um, yeah, it's like you said, it's just an opportunity to support support small business. Um, that's a popular thing right now, and uh, Nebraska has so many so many great breweries. I know uh, my wife and I we brought our kids actually with us to go to Monolithic yesterday because yeah. they're celebrating their two years. Um, they were battling construction along 120th for so long. And that was a legit, like I live along 120th street. It is a straight shot from my place to the brewery. And that honestly, like, and I I talked to him about it. I was like, that really did prevent me from coming sometimes. Like it's, you know, so, you know, that's finally opened up and and they've got so many incredible beers. They did a a ton of special ones for this celebration. Um, so that we got an example and, um, I brought one for you that you'll be able to try to which is they're just incredible so um but again yeah they're just it's a they're all part of their their communities they've all got their own um special things going and and you know getting to participate in any way that we can is is great and, and able being able to prop that up um is also important so. yeah yeah
0: down, down the pipeline in maybe a week or so, we're going to have a, a big announcement for the podcast that we can't get into just yet. We're waiting for everything to be tied with a, a little bow on there. But we know that the decision that we're making and the direction that we're going to get to move this podcast forward in, it's going to continue to elevate and celebrate these local craft breweries. And, and that was the driving force behind this big announcement, this decision that we're getting into is that we're going to have an awesome platform to continue to share uh, all these local breweries and. and you know, whether it's one person or a thousand people who get to listen to this show, anyone who hears something that we're drinking and is like, I'm going to go out and try that brewery or try that beer or something like that. That's why we're doing this because it just, it, it, it's, it's so much fun to share that. Like, I think craft beer gets a bad rap where it's pretentious. Yes. And people are like, yeah. oh my gosh, you're drinking bush light. Drew and I drink bush light on the golf course, just like anyone else. You know what I mean? There's a time and place for it. It's more about, hey, we just had this incredible experience, this great beer, this tastes so good. I want you to try it. I want you to have that experience. Mm-hmm. And if it's not with this specific beer, it can be with this specific brewery. Yeah.
1: These, yeah. or these people, you yes. it's, um, it, it's, it is, it's so community centered. And, and, um, the, the people behind the beer, um, that we've met, the ones that we've met and the ones that we've heard about, they're all incredible. Like, yeah. um, you know, they're putting their hearts and souls into their work. They, they're putting their hearts and souls and in, back into their community, um, reinvesting, uh, in, in the, the places they're from. And, and so, yeah, for us to be able to, you know, just put a butt in a stool that wouldn't normally be there just from hearing this podcast. That's our, that's ultimately our goal, um, is just to, to share that and, uh, you know, boost that, the, the beer community in any way we can. And, and obviously and then talk about football while we're yeah. at it just cause that's, you know, that's just fun. That's what do. you talk about when you're <laughs> yeah. at a brewery, right? Yeah. You talk about football. That's just so if, if you came here listening for Husker football, we tricked you. <laughs> we, we got gotcha. you suckers
0: go to a brewery uh, and then talk about football yes all right do you think that we've delayed talking about husker football enough i think at this so point? i think we have okay which
1: is it's illinois for god's sake and I'm, i don't want to uh... Hey,
0: i think there's some pretty interesting stuff when it comes to illinois there's there's some crazy stats just if you're an appreciator of football an appreciator yeah. i'm pretty sure is a word if you're an appreciator <laughs> of football illinois has got some crazy stuff going for them this season so I'm going to hit you with just the facts, okay. and then we'll start talking about Illinois' offense, Illinois' defense. We'll go from there. Cool. So on October 29th, 2022, the Illinois Fighting Illini travel to Lincoln, Nebraska to take on the Cornhuskers. Kickoff is scheduled for 2.30 p.m. and will air on ABC. Head coach Brett Bielema holds an 11-8 and record in his second year at Illinois and has his team off to an impressive 6-1 and start. Nebraska is led by interim head coach Mickey Joseph in his first season at the helm. Joseph is 2-2 two and two heading into this matchup against Illinois. Nebraska and Illinois have met a total of 19 times, with Saturday's game marking the 20th meeting of the two teams. Nebraska holds the advantage with 13 wins to 5 and 1 tie, but Illinois is on a two-game win streak against the Big Red. Vegas has the top 25 ranked Illini as the favorites, with a current spread of 5.5. Drew, what is your gut reaction to that
1: spread i think that's a lot that's way closer than i thought it would be yeah way closer even being at home sure um, just with how impressive illinois has looked against Mm -hmm. they've played the you know the big names of the west already and um you know really controlled a lot of those games so
0: and they've, they've looked good on both sides of the ball yeah you know they obviously everyone's talking about how impressive their defense is but i think that they have a great defense and they have a really serviceable offense.
1: I, I think, and I, yeah, I think even serviceable is almost even underselling sure. it. Um, but it is, it's so, so complimentary. Yes, that's a good way to put it. It's, that, it's complimentary football. Y- yeah, that um, they're, I, again, I think they're just able to control other teams, control the, the, the flow of the game um, and kind of dictate things on their terms.
0: And And watching them play ball, I don't think anyone's, including Indiana, who's their sole loss. I don't think anyone's taken them out of their comfort zone this year. I don't think anyone's really made them try and be not who they are. And so I wonder if that's a recipe that Nebraska's going to be looking into going into this game is how do we get them uncomfortable? How do we make them play a game that's not their own? But they have a game that's, I think, going to take full advantage of what Nebraska's ailments are at this at this current moment.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so focusing first on Illinois' offense, what are some things that jump out at you or that scare you or <laughs> make you think that that spread <laughs> might be a little bit too low?
1: Uh, I mean, you start with Chase Brown. Yeah, that's, I don't know where else you... Just you just write Chase <laughs> Brown that's it, that's
0: move bit, all caps. on.
1: Just read his stats. Um, yeah, actually here I will. Okay, I'll, cool. I'll rattle some off for you. So he was the first running back in the nation to break a thousand yards this season. Did it in his first game. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he leads He leads in both yards and attempts. So he's got 192 carries on the season, um, and so they really lean on this guy. Um, all He's gone off for over 100 yards in all seven games. He's got uh, 33 carries of 10-plus yards. That leads the nation. 621 yards after contact. Again, leads the nation. And then he's averaging 151 yards per game, which is second nationally. Um, so that just—I mean— I, I don't know what else you can say about this dude other than he's he's literally he's carrying this team. Yeah. Um and you know their their offensive line has been fine. I, I think it's above average. Yeah. Um they do pretty good with pass protection. Uh but but that yards after contact stat tells me that they're not perfect. They're not opening up the best running lanes for this guy, but it doesn't matter.
0: I think what helps Chase Brown as well is his size. He's not huge. He's not an oversized guy. He's obviously strong and I'm not trying to downplay that. But what I like when I look at him on film, and it's been a complaint that I have of some of our running backs, is occasionally they get a little too tap dance heavy in the backfield. Brown just hits the gap and goes. If the yeah. gap is there or wherever it's supposed to be, that's the lane he's taking. And that's where those yards after contact comes. Sometimes it's not big enough for him to get through, but he right. still makes his way through that. And I really like, just from a pure watching him play perspective, he just accelerates through that. Uh, there's no second guessing, and I think that that has a, a huge play into, you know, falling forward for yards and him taking that is there's just no hesitation in his game. Um, but not just the running yards. Man, he can catch the ball out of the backfield incredibly <laughs> effectively, and Tommy, don't call me Danny DeVito, is <laughs> is a, a very efficient passer in getting yes. that wheel route out yeah. of the backfield. You know, they're, they're, a, they're a great one-two punch, and when you look at Chase Brown running the ball wildly effective for – I think it's 1,059 yards so far this year, 151 per game, like you said. On top of that, Tommy DeVito's got a 70% completion percentage. The way that Illinois complements the pass and the run game is so impressive. It's just that dink and dunk. It's that bullshit that makes you angry as an opposing defense because yeah. they're taking the high percentage throws, they're taking what the defense gives you, and then they're letting their playmakers just make plays in space. Yeah, They're saying, come get me, come yeah. tackle me.
1: If, if you thought that Aiden O'Connell to Charlie Jones was annoying. (laughs) Buckle up, because DeVito to Isaiah Williams has the potential to be even worse in terms of just making every fucking throw um, for five yards a play. Like, Isaiah Williams is a running back that catches the ball. He... uh, I found this really interesting on him. He has... 47 receptions on the year, which is the same as Trey Williams. And that's pretty high up there nationally, right? Yeah. Uh, His average yards per reception are 7.36 yards. Um, To put that in perspective, Trey is at just, he's at like 16 and a half yards per reception, right? So Isaiah Williams is the only receiver nationally with over 40 receptions, but under 10 yards per reception. Sure. He is not a home run hitter, but they are dead set on giving him the ball and letting him do whatever he can with it to try to make a play whether he'll actually make that huge play or not doesn't really matter he's still picking up solid yards um and again just an extension of that that run game and I think that can be so frustrating um not just from a fan perspective but from a defensive perspective well, yeah and that's something that Nebraska has I feel like really struggled with sure not just this year but just recent history
0: and I, and I think when you look at it that way, as far as like, okay, you've got a running back who is getting around five and a half yards per carry. You've got your top wide receiver target. Who's getting seven yards per reception or, you know, hitting a five yard pass. So you're, your first down, you're going, you know, for five yards. It's second and five, you know, you're going to get five more yards. The playbook's wide open. There's no way of predicting where the ball is going with Illinois. Yeah. So even though you're saying, man, this is a, a pretty simple looking offense, you're still left on, you know, do we, do we sell out against the run? Are we looking at a short pass? Is this going to be one of the few times they take a shot? And a shot for Illinois is like 15 yards. Yeah, it's not it's, huge, it's, it's right? not. It's yeah. not crazy, but it's effective because you get lulled into like, okay, just keep everything in front of you, keep everything in front of you. And they're getting ahead of the chains to the point to where they really have no rhyme or reason what they're going to do. And then it, what pisses me off even more is they're so balanced. They're running 45 runs and 30 passes a game. So it's, it's a really balanced offense you know fairly fairly well balanced when you're looking at the kind of success they have on the ground they're still throwing the ball a fair amount and being successful on both fronts then you add into it the fact that they don't damn near turn the ball over through the air you know what's a a crazy stat so DeVito has thrown two interceptions this whole season right he doesn't he throws an interception every 98 pass attempts Casey Thompson throws an interception every 26 pass attempts and, and obviously that's the name of the offense, right, with Nebraska airing the ball out more frequently. But when you look at how successful they are as a team, throwing the ball and protecting the ball and being efficient with the ball, Illinois is not a team that you're going to get a lot of takeaways with through the air. Right. But. Okay. Oh, I like this. They do tend to put the ball on the ground because they're running the ball with such aggression and because they're trying to move the ball on that front. They've actually fumbled 12 times and lost it nine times. So, if Nebraska can be aggressive on maybe trying to get the ball away from them on the run game or if they get a guy wrapped up, have another guy come in and try and punch that ball out.
1: Peanut punchers. That's what we need. Yeah. A lot of peanut punchers. A lot of
0: lot, but don't don't punch him in the head like Tanner Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, play the game but don't don't TCU a quarterback and take him out of the game. So, I mean, to me there's there's the, the thing you got to do and I'm perplexed at this point cuz I just I feel for Bill Bush already, where he's stepping into this situation where it's like, the fuck am I supposed to do? You know, this is an yeah. offense that's efficient on both things, so we keep everyone in front. But I think you got to take away the run, right? You got to do everything you can and try and stop Chase Brown and limit that, and make them throw the ball through the air and play aggressive with your secondary.
1: Yeah, hyper aggressive. Yeah. Um. The other the other thing that scares me then, in terms of them and their their passing game, is their other receivers. They've got a couple of guys who are both six foot three you know, 200, 215 pounds, um, you know, you're going to see them towering over a guy like Malcolm Hartzog. Um, but you, but again, you hope that, that uh, you know, Hartzog or Newsom, whoever's out there, farmer, um, that they can be aggressive, go after the ball. Um, I think we've seen Nebraska run a lot of man coverage recently. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're going to stop the run, you know, against a team like this, you're going to almost have to get in a lot of one-on-one situations with your secondary. And so, we could be seeing that, but again, the, you know, Illinois is not going to go for the, the Trey Palmer bombs. You know, like no, Nebraska is no, going to no. do. They're going to try to be a lot more methodical about it. And so, if you can um, somehow throw them off balance, yeah, if that's you know, if that's selling out against the run, if that's the way to do it, then that's the way they're going to have to go. But we'll see. I don't like you said. I don't. I don't envy Bill Bush and no. Know, trying no, to come no up I the don't. Game plan. I you
0: know I wouldn't envy a defensive coordinator who has to deal with this. You know, knowing his team from the very outset, let alone coming in partially through the season and trying to figure this out with, with pieces and yeah. knowing that, you know, you're probably going to be down uh, Heinrich and you, you're going to be.
1: Yeah. Missing those middle linebackers yeah. is going to be really tough again with these, these short pass plays and stuff. And, um and, and, you know, we've seen de- the defense run hot and cold, right. From half to half and then just, you know, going out the window completely against Purdue. So, um and that, I think that can make it really tough on a coach too. Yeah. You know, it's like, I want to do this, but can we?
0: Yeah. Well, then let's let's move on and let's talk about the area we're going to absolutely uh, dismantle Illinois with, and that's their defense. Man, yeah. what a crappy defense Illinois has, <laughs> right? They're only ranked in the top One. five. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, oh, I just want to throw some... some. I, I had so much fun looking up stats yeah. for Illinois because every time I was like, hypothesis, I wonder if they're this. Then it was like, oh, man, they are. Oh, no, that's not good. <laughs> so... Here's, here's, some, here's some fun numbers, some, some fun bursts, if you will. Illinois has allowed an average of 8.86 points per game against opponents who combined averaged 25.2 points per game. So teams are scoring an average of only 35.2% of their season averages against Illinois. Nebraska's offense averages 29.7 points per game. So if Illinois' defense plays to their average nebraska could walk away with only 10 to 11 points is (laughs) that not insane so where is illinois more effective stopping the run or stopping the pass the answer is yes (laughs) (laughs) when playing illinois teams have averaged 53 percent of their season average in rushing yards and 68.6 percent of their season average passing yards while illinois defense may allow more passing yards They've also created, through seven games, 12 interceptions. Yeah. These guys are good. They are positive four in the turnover ratio. Um, they've got three fumbles, 12 interceptions, so 15 turnovers to 11 of their own. Now, Nebraska averages 154.7 rushing yards per game and 269.4 passing yards per game. Filtered through the 53% and the 68%, Nebraska is looking at 82 rushing yards, and 184.81 receiving yards. But the good news Nebraska scores a touchdown every 67.8 yards of rushing and another touchdown for every 171 yards of passing. So Nebraska may have success above what Illinois' defense is allowing on the year in points because they are fairly efficient in yards, gains, to point score this year. So we
1: might get, like, what, 16 points? Four, 14, 14, 14. Right? 14.
0: Okay. Because we, every uh, field goal comes at, like, 768 yards. Uh-oh. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say we're going to score 17. But, <laughs> but I think that we could get above Illinois' average.
1: Okay, okay.
0: And, and you know what? I bet if I broke it down by more recent success, the way that Nebraska's passing offense has improved for scoring and things like that, Nebraska's probably scoring at an even more impressive clip than they are uh, for throughout the entire season. But I do think that via passing, it's going to be one hell of a showdown between this Illinois defense and Nebraska's offense because Illinois' secondary is
1: good. They're, they're very good. They're insanely good. Yeah. Um, I will say this, just since we're, throwing, we're looking for silver linings. Um, Some the, Riley Keyhoes over here yeah. just looking for silver linings. <laughs> the opponents that they've played this year have not been great. In the passing department, okay, the best passing team they have faced so far is Indiana, and they lost. There was the yeah. most points they've given up all year. And we beat them too. And yeah, and we beat them too. And we yeah. have we have statistically we have a better passing offense. And like you said, we have. I think Whipple has, as he since he's taken over um, entirely, and Mickey's come in. Uh, I feel like he's been able to really. Uh, game plan and and be like we're just gonna fun, you know funneling it to Palmer. I was gonna say he's gonna, he's been he, able to really Trey Palmer it's, this offense. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's Trey Palmering the hell out of it, and it's and it's working. But that's what he does, right? Yeah. Regardless of I mean, obviously you need a talent like Trey Palmer, and you need a quarterback like Casey Thompson, uh, yeah. to make that happen. And You need an offensive line like Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But but that's what we're seeing, and so and so uh, and the other thing is is if if Illinois. Is able to like let's say eliminate Trey Palmer. We do have other options. Like Marcus yeah. Washington is still around. Oliver Martin is still making yeah. catches. So Oliver Mar- Martin's making o- better o- catches
0: o- than he's made in a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah, and Alante's still there. So you know it's not like we don't have other options. Vokalek obviously. Um, Smothers, <laughs> please. <laughs> please. Oh man, the other the other the other opponents that they played against were ranked 121st. Seventy fifth, FCS Chattanooga, which doesn't have a ranking but would be seventy fifth with their numbers, uh, eighty nine, one twenty two and ninety eight. So they've really not played passing teams. Yeah. Um so even though they have held these teams to below their average, um, those averages were already terrible. Uh, because that's just not how those those offenses are designed. Sure. So um so yeah, this will be in essence a strength on strength, but Illinois is fucking strong. Yeah like strong, strong. Oh, yeah. So um the other thing about that, though, their secondary, as good as it is, I think a lot of their success, especially when it comes to generating those turnovers, starts up front with their their defensive line, specifically their defensive ends. Um, they're have got they're young dudes. They've got some freshmen and sophomores that are just generating the craziest amount of pressure against quarterbacks. Um, Jerjean Newton is one of those guys. He has... 35 quarterback pressures on the year, which going into which is a lot. That's going too many. In, so many. That's too many. This is, so this is going into their bye week. I don't know where – I'm assuming he still ranks first uh, in the nation. I don't I don't know if there's anybody else that's close I mean, to that. I mean, based on my reaction, I didn't uh, even know that stat, so yeah. I'm not going to know the answer <laughs> to that. Uh, he's gotten 15 quarterback hits. Again, he was first nationally going into their bye week. Uh, he's got four sacks on the year, and then they also have guys like Gabe Jackis, uh, Keith Randolph, who have four sacks apiece. Um they're, they're creating all sorts of problems for quarterbacks, and, and again, I think that's opening up opportunities for their back and their secondaries to, to go after that ball.
0: Yeah, it, it's going to be a, a game of protecting the ball and, and making smart decisions. I mean, this is almost a game where instead of trying to force something, taking the sack might be the better option. Like, live to punt the ball, live to play another down. And if, again, if you're able to, on Nebraska's defense, keep Illinois contained or, or force them to start throwing the ball and play away from Chase Brown you know this that that might be the way to, to help your offense in a sense is you know force illinois to play a a, a, a field position game instead of trying to just be illinois yeah i mean brett Bielema is a great coach and we know he's going to be able to you know uh, adjust throughout the game but you've really just got to make them uncomfortable on both fronts so if if you're frustratingly just holding on to the ball while you're getting sacked yeah you're still getting sacked but you're not throwing errant balls where this defense has taken complete advantage of this entire season
1: yeah yeah it's i uh, yeah, it's going to it's going to be about Eliminating those big momentum swinging yeah. type plays. For what the a, what a strategy, right? <laughs> just just take the sack. <laughs> <laughs> Aim go for zero points. <laughs> See how it goes. Um, no, the, I think the thing that worries me a lot about this game has to do with how the Purdue game played out. Yeah. Um, just with how the defense tired
0: out throughout the. Yeah,
1: yeah. and the and the fact that the best strategy for beating Purdue was to score. As quickly as more possible, points. just score. Oh. Well, yeah, score more points, but do it because there, there was yeah. no such thing as sustaining a drive. There were no rush, rushing yards to be had um, by anybody, but like by running backs on design runs. Um, I remember. I don't remember who's who. who <laughs> I remember. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> I was trying to say two things at once. I remember something. I don't remember where it came from. <laughs> 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 uh this beer might be stronger than 5%. Hey, I'm fine for with what that. It's worth. Um, Nebraska. So if you eliminated some of Nebraska's rushing plays, the quarterback run that that uh Casey had for for 30 yards and then Trey Palmer's big run, his yeah. 60-yarder. Um and then Ramir Johnson had one on the draw. Yeah, for 17. Yeah. You take away all of those, and I think Nebraska ended up with like five yards rushing. I don't know. It was something or something just silly low. Yeah. Um to to that's not sustainable. Not it's not sustainable in one game. To do it here against Illinois, I think would be detrimental. Um so I will be really interested to see how they approach the things offensively. If they commit to the run, if they really try to draw out offensive drives to to give the defense a chance
0: so here's where I think Nebraska has an advantage all last season I was bitching and moaning about finding an identity what is Nebraska's identity as a team and I don't necessarily think that Nebraska's found a a surefire identity this season I think the offense you're starting to feel has an identity but this defense is kind of a question mark and we're not quite sure what that identity is Illinois has an identity Right. They are going to pound the ball, and they're going to be aggressive on the secondary, and they're going to try and shut you down up front. They know who they're going to be. Nebraska knows who Illinois is going to be going into this game. Illinois may not quite know what Nebraska is going to be coming off of a bye week, having extra time to prepare. So I think that Nebraska can maybe scheme around knowing what Illinois is going to try to do and maybe catch them off guard a time or two. And who knows, maybe if you steal a possession or you, you know, you, you steal points somewhere somehow that might be just enough to keep a team uncomfortable through the entire game. Um, five and a half tells me there's something going on that we are too dumb to recognize <laughs> <laughs> um, because in watching this footage, it, Illinois is a, a really good team and Bielema has done a hell of a job turning this, this group around. And you know, I, I, it makes you feel good though, knowing that the big 10 West is improving. Yeah. Uh, at least on that front.
1: I don't know about the- Iowa. But. <laughs> no, they Kirk knows what he's doing. Hey, it's worked It's in the worked, past, <laughs> it worked in the year 2000. That
0: one Side time, bar, 42 million dollar buyout. <laughs> oh my god, if he gets fired, it's 500 million a month.
1: Well, that would no 500,000 or 500, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. it feels like 500 million. He could probably negotiate that, <laughs>
0: yeah, because Bard is like, okay, I guess, I guess, anyways. Uh, that's how i feel like nebraska has to approach this offense and this defense and the phillies just scored two runs and drew's not yeah, paying attention anymore we haven't
1: even mentioned the fact that we were recording this during uh, a potential world series clinching uh game or i guess well, about league championship i can think of something else that's probably to... clinched right now <laughs> <laughs> uh, so man. special teams anyway, all right back in it Focus. special teams
0: uh, against this illinois team We've got to be feeling pretty good about Nebraska's special teams this season. Yeah, all around, yes. I mean, all around. Yes. Last game against Purdue, there weren't a ton of defensive highlights. But to me, special teams leans a little bit more towards defense because it's kind of stealing possessions, and it's about flipping the field and that sort of thing. Return yardage has gotten much better. Number one in the Big Ten for return yardage, which on average for punts, which is just insane. Yeah. We yeah. have a touchdown touchdown for special teams on that block punt with Herzog, which I completely forgot about until I saw the stat and I had to sit there and think, wait, how did we get that? And kickoff returns are starting to be an advantage for Nebraska. Tommy Hill did a great job against Purdue, getting the ball around the 30-yard line, giving Nebraska excellent field position. And I think that that might be, again, how Nebraska steals a possession or steals some field advantage or something along those lines to – maybe come up with a huge play when Nebraska's down ten points or when they're down by two scores or something like that to put them right back in the game. You talk about limiting, you know, negative momentum. This is how we're going to create positive momentum is this team's special teams has improved.
1: Yes. And actually that was that was the only note that I have on my special teams for this game was about kick returns and punt returns. Um, and that that's because in part because of what Nebraska's done. It's also in part because of what Illinois is giving up um Punt returns—they're not giving up anything. They're actually negative. Teams are negative yards on like three returns. It's a Rutgers all over again type thing. Um, but they are. There is some leeway there on the kick returns. Illinois is allowing a lot of teams to return balls. Um, and and again, Nebraska's I think found some some something in the secret sauce. You know, for them for them to gain some extra yards. And in a game where. You know, you can't necessarily count on your offense to be steady or to to sustain drives. The closer that you can start to that that end zone, the better. Yeah. So
0: I think what's been fun too from a defensive perspective is watching how Nebraska's punt blocks have been schemed per team. You know, it's yeah. not the same punt block schematic that we're seeing. You know, we had Sanford coming in on the motion to come in and block the punt. Uh was it against Purdue? And then yeah. uh the Rutgers block punt was was also a huge I mean, there was so much great stuff going or not was not Rutgers, excuse me. <laughs> Indiana the block <laughs> punt for the touchdown there, there's just been a lot of great thinking that's gone into special teams where that attention obviously hasn't been there in in times past so it's nice to see that attention going back it, yeah it.
1: and I think it's in game that's happening and because uh, with the Indiana it was hey they're they're blocking this certain way we're gonna go we're gonna overload on this side and we're just gonna send guys through um, it just feels like there's yeah just an attention to it at the, the the importance is finally being put on it and the fact that we've seen it um be so beneficial so quickly like i know it's partly probably because it's just a testament to how bad things were um i don't
0: know i don't think it's a testament when you've got two block punts in three games like there's there's something even more going on
1: well there's something special but i think the i think the um that the the optics of it are just that much greater sure okay because of how bad it was and because of how good it is i'm not i'm not yeah. trying to like say it was it was terrible and now it's average no it was it's it was terrible and now it's good like yeah. it, it really is i just think it's just it just looks that much better because sure. of how bad it sure. looked so um but the fact that they were yeah, they made such a huge swing in that department uh is fantastic yeah weird hmm.
0: weird what happens when you focus <laughs> on it
1: instead <laughs> so of just weird talking about what it. happens right. when you focus
0: on it <laughs> uh to me ultimately this game though is going to be a really nice indicator of what the rest of the season is going to look like I think that you can really put a lot of focus on how is Nebraska going to fare against some other top defenses moving down the stretch? You know, we've got a great offense uh, as far as the passing game goes. We found how successful we can be with Trey Palmer down the field and with some other guys getting involved. Ollie Martin starting to bloom Washington when he pulls in passes is looking great. Vocal X looking healthy, a lot of good stuff going on in that offense. So how are we going to fare against Illinois to me might dictate how we fare against a Michigan, an Iowa, a Minnesota, those other defenses that are top tier and, and just populate the big 10.
1: Yeah. I would separate Michigan. I still, I look at them as just a head and shoulders above the rest of the schedule. Um, more knees and toes. Okay. <laughs> 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 um, but I, I agree it's yeah. in terms of, as, as far as, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, um, the, the, the difference to me though, is that of those four, Illinois and, and the other three, uh, I think Illinois is the most complete team. They like, and I, I know that's, that's a, not a weird that's not, thing to say. It's, it is super. It is super weird. But like, all, and and it's not, um, you know, like oh, a little weakness here, a little weakness there from those other teams. Like they have looked downright terrible some on some games. And whereas Illinois, like they had that weird game against Indiana, where you're like, how, like how do you how how did you lose that? Um, but I think it was just early enough in the season. It's uh, probably a bit of a rivalry game there that plays into it. Um. So I, yeah, I think Illinois will be a really great indicator of how the rest of the season goes. But I also think that we we could get stomped in this game. Like we could get blown out, and then still go and and win the the other, those other three West games because of the way that those other teams have played. If we catch them on the right Saturday. Yeah.
0: Hey, I don't hate so, that. I don't hate that at all. It's fun watching Tom Allen lose again. <laughs> 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 I mean, he's just <laughs> so angry at pressers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Drew, well, what's your, what's your prediction for this game?
1: Okay, I, so I do not have a prediction. I, what I have instead are two prayers that I've writ, written. Um, I was going to save these for a miracle in Michigan, but I think that with circumstances being what they are, Nebraska could maybe somehow pull this one off, and it would bring us back atop the Big Ten West standings for another week, and so I'm going uh, to use them here. Okay. Okay. If you go ahead and just bow your head and close your eyes and break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Tom Osborne, who art in Lincoln, pigskin be thy game. The align I come, Chase Brown can run outside and between the tackles. Give us this day a deep ball to tray and forgive us our O line as they defend the pass rush. Lead us not into third and long and deliver us from DeVito. Return us to the 90s, to Husker power, and to glory, for one day. Amen. Oh, Amen. Okay. That was nice. Hey, thank you. That was very nice. Yeah. See, prayer is like a nice, it's a, good, yeah. it's a good reassuring. It's in the hands of Tom Osborne now, you know? Um, all right, here we go. We got a one more. Feeble old man <laughs> hands. Hail Mary, deep to Trey, the ball is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst receivers, and blessed is the grip of thy hands, Palmer. Holy Whipple, caller of plays, please make us winners now and at the end of the game. Amen. Oh, Amen. <laughs> oh. Okay. Anyway, if I had to, if I was putting money on it, I would say Illinois has got this one. I think that again, oh, this dear. is. I don't know. That's why I didn't put out a prediction because <laughs> I couldn't come up with one that would be. Positive. I, I, I think this is just just not a good matchup. Like specifically their offense against our defense. Yeah. Running the ball against us, um, controlling time of possession, Dinkin and Duncan, the high high percentage throws. It will take. It will take a lot to overcome that divine intervention. Yeah, well, yes and hence angels in the end right. zone, if you will. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's hear what you got.
0: I've talked a lot about the metrics and statistics of Illinois success, but I've been sitting on quite possibly the most important stat of them all. The one major identifier of a team's success and that is their national fiscal stability ranking. As you know, <laughs> Nebraska ranks 14th in the nation for long-term fiscal stability and every team we've beat so far this year below Nebraska. North Dakota, 36th. Wolf. Indiana, 28th. Rutgers, New Jersey, 49th. Ouch. Where's Illinois? Dead fucking last, baby. <laughs> 50th. Now, I know our listeners and I know they know what this means, but Drew, for your sake, I want to explain fiscal stability the fiscal stability of a state's government is vital to ensuring the success of the government sponsored programs and projects and the quality of life of the state's residents. I mean, if that doesn't translate to football wins, I don't know what does. Success of government sponsored programs. You mean the state school athletic department Uh, point Nebraska (laughs) Uh, quality of life of the state's residents. Sounds like a recruiting pitch in favor of Nebraska. I could go on, but I don't want to lay it on too thick for Illinois. They're having a rough season as it is, and I know Illinois fans are already struggling hearing this cold, hard truth. I'm sure the Illini are going to pull up, put up a fight, and it's going to be a damn good one with their top 10 defense and top 10 rushing attack and their season Big Ten championship winning head coach, but there's no way it's going to be enough against the 14th ranked long-term fiscally stable Nebraska Cornhuskers, <laughs> Nebraska 24, Illinois 22. I mean when you put it that way it is very convincing. It's very difficult to see past that. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm if I'm being completely honest. It took me a long time to find <laughs> to find a
1: national stat some sort of national state, stat where yeah.
0: everyone we've beat is below Nebraska. <laughs> it's going to be a fun matchup I think on Saturday. And I'm glad it's not a night game. I'm so glad it's not a night game. Yeah,
1: I it's been hard staying up well not that oh okay i guess i'm just old
0: (laughs) it's it's been tough because i've i've had to stay i had to keep my kids awake for it for fear that they go to sleep and then i yell too much or something like that and wake them up so it'll be nice that they can go to bed at a normal time and um i can have some time to decompress regardless
1: of what happens (laughs) right drink another couple whiskeys or
0: how man that's what i did on the bye week and i tell you what i've been rolling since saturday at like 11 (laughs) it's been good (laughs) Alright, Drew, send us home.
1: Alright. Flip uh, on over to our outline and and yeah. read read the things. Nope, oh, not that one. Nope skipping lines here this is important we got to get them all absolutely that does it for this week we want to thank everyone who tuned into this week's episode if you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen we would truly appreciate your recommendation
0: don't forget to follow us on social media at wannabe walk-ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform if you'd like to call in and leave a message on the wannabe talk-ons hotline at 402-427-0258 you just might be featured on our show.
1: Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation.
0: Join us next week as we react to the Illinois game, preview Minnesota, and sample beer from... Well, I guess you'll have to tune in
1: to find out. Ooh, nice teaser. Uh, Oh, I'm so to. <laughs> <laughs> I really need to start proofreading. Yeah, these. you know, I had a joke ready to go, but uh, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> and as always, drink Big Red. Go Phillies, drink Big Red. <laughs>